0: Last week we started a series of messages called The Thrill of Hope, and we're going to continue that today. But I want to talk to you a minute about how complicated Christmas is. It's complicated, isn't it? How many of you still use a live tree? A few of you, all right. I remember we, uh, when we first got married, we were idealistic and thought we'd just use a live tree every year. That went out the window once we had kids, but you know, we uh, picking out the right tree can be complicated. G- going to the mall can be complicated. Uh, even working here, we uh, you know, going to get lunch, we just go. Sometimes we go down Rivergate, and during this time of year, on a weekday, going to Rivergate can be complicated. Spending time with people you don't necessarily want to spend time with. Can be complicated. I got some amens there. Can be complicated, right? You know, family dynamics can be complicated. Kids and where you're going to spend Christmas and where you're going to be with family. I heard about one young family that they were, uh, they they got married in about August and about September they realized the holidays were coming. And uh, both of them were talking about it, and they said, "You know, we just need to set—we uh, we just need to set our own agenda and tell tell our parents this is when we're coming, and these are the holidays we're going to be with you, and these are the holidays we're going to be with you, and we're just going to set it. We're not going to let them set it for us. We'll just tell them, and then we'll get it." And then the husband agreed. The wife brought that idea up. Said, "Absolutely, that's great, honey. Let's make a list. Let's do that." We'll just tell him. And so the next day she came back, she said, I've got the list. He goes, all right, let me hear the list. She said, well, here it is. For my family, we're going to spend Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, Memorial Day, and Labor Day. And your family, we're going to spend Arbor Day, Flag Day, Halloween, Columbus Day, and President's Day. They've been married a long time because he just said yes, all right? It can be complicated, right? And if there's a divorce or if there are children involved, it can become even more complicated. And sometimes even the church makes it complicated. You know, just having a little confession time, sometimes some of the most difficult sermons to kind of pray through and prepare and think about are sermons around Christmas. Because you've heard the story... It's the same story every year. Here's the thing. It hasn't changed in a couple of millennia. And so sometimes preachers try to get real creative and they try to bring a new angle or a new approach. And you come and in the midst of the confusion of the presents and the gifts and the TV specials and the movies and the family time and the office parties, and the, you get here and we bring a new complicated twist on the Christmas story and you walk away and go, well, that didn't help. Sometimes we try to overcomplicate something that should be simple, and the result is you just walk away and just say, well, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. It's kind of like, uh, growing up, my dad took me fishing a lot. Uh, My granddad had a a little boat, and we'd go out and we'd go fishing, and uh, Grant sold the boat when when I was still pretty young, eight, nine, ten, and after that, Dad and I didn't go fishing much at all, and so... Um, it wasn't a bad thing. We just that 't we got into baseball, we got into other things. We just didn't go fishing. Well, you know, when I when I had Eli and Luke, um, I hadn't been fishing probably in fifteen to twenty years. And I thought, well, the dad takes his kids fishing. That's what happens. And so I went to Walmart and bought them those little fishing rods. You know, you know, what I'm talking about the cars model or the the disney brand you know because they don't need a good but for me i don't need a cars fishing rod i need a real mccoy fishing rod is what i need so i decided the best place to buy that would be bass pro shop right and so i, I went to bass pro shops and I, I i walked in the door and literally almost asked associate you know sees you can i help you with something Almost coming out of my mouth were the words, do you have any fishing rods? I caught myself before I said it. They don't have a, an aisle of fishing rods. They have a forest of fishing rods. Anybody ever been there? I mean, it's like a forest, alright? And so, I remember walking down the aisles and not even going in the aisle, just kind of hoping one would jump out at me. And I walked down two or three of the aisles and looked down the aisleway and just got so overwhelmed with the choices of it that I just left and went and bought a cheap one at Walmart, alright? Amen, alright? I just got overwhelmed with the confusing nature of it for me. And one of the most tragic things that can happen at Christmas is that in the complication that Christmas has become, We walk away not letting it impact who we are and how we live. Because at its essence, Christmas is very simple. We we talked last week about the song, O Holy Night, and we talked about that line in there that says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Looking for it, hoping for, asking, God, when is it going to happen? How long, O oh Lord, must Your people wait? Do you remember the next phrase "The O Holy Night? If Cliff hadn't just sung, I would sing it for you. But, long lay the world in sin and error pining till He appeared and the soul felt its worth. You see, at the basic level of Christmas is a story of good news. You remember when the angels appeared to the shepherds, right? And they come to the shepherds, and the shepherds are doing what they're supposed to. do They're out in the field, they're watching the flocks, they're taking care of the flocks. And the angels appear, and the first thing the angels say is, don't be afraid, because what? Angels scare people, right? Don't be afraid. And the shepherds are like, sure, this happens all the time, we won't, we'll just let it go. And then they say, we have brought you good news of great joy. Whatever else Christmas is, it is good news of great joy. What's interesting is, if you look at what they say, and the way they say it in the original Greek language, what they really say is, we bring you evangelism. Because that's what the word means. Telling good news. It's the exact word that's used later for to be people to say, send out the good message, the good news, the good announcement. What they say is, we are beginning the story today anew. It is good news of great joy. And here's what the good news is not. Because we all know what good news is, right? If someone comes to you and says, hey, I've got some good news, none of us go, ooh, I don't know that I want to hear it. Well, let me think about it for a minute. I mean, we know good news. And the message of Christmas is 100% good news. If in some way your relationship with the church or with the story of Christmas has turned into anything but good news, you are missing the point of Christmas. It is good news. So here's the thing. If shopping has got you in a bad mood, shopping was not a part of the first Christmas. Don't tell the retailers at Rivergate I said that, all right? But it's not, is it? If making sure your 14 course meal is done exactly correctly is stressing you out, it wasn't a part of the first Christmas. Amen? I like 14 course meals as much as anybody. But if it stresses you out, it's not part of the good news. So here's what I want to do today. I want to uncomplicate the story again and just remind ourselves from probably the most well-known verse in all of Scripture about exactly what this good news is. If you've got your Bibles, turn in the book of John to John chapter 3. Let me tell you that what good news is not... Because somehow as Christians, and we're going to talk about how the good news should impact us, but let's just talk for a minute about the news itself. Good news is not straighten up. The good news doesn't come and say Christmas is all about you straightening up. Good news is not about get back in church or serve more or be more. The good news of Christmas is simpler than that and more profound than that. It doesn't immediately tell us to do anything. What it immediately tells us is a truth about God and about us. John chapter 3, we have this dialogue going on between John and a guy named Nicodemus. Now... Um, If you've been in church at all, you've probably heard the story, you know of the story. Um, It's one of the most famous stories here, but let's remind ourselves that John was Jesus' closest friend on the earth. Now how do we know he was his closest friend on the earth? We know that because at the cross, when Jesus is being crucified, he looks down from the cross and he tells John to do what? Take care of his mom. Now, there are friends, there are close friends, there are your inner circle, and then there are people you would trust to take care of your mom. That was John to Jesus. He looks down, and tradition tells us that John settled in a place, and when he settled in a place, he settled there. And part of his responsibilities, besides proclaiming and preaching and talking about Jesus, is that he took care of Mary till the day she died. That's not in the Bible, but that's what tradition tells us. John was the only apostle to live to an old age. He probably wrote the book of Revelation and even John around between 80 and 90 A.D. or about... 50 to 60 years after Jesus died and rose again. So, John would have been, even if he was a guy in his late teens, would have been in his 70s probably, closing in on 80. And as he's sitting there reflecting about all that's happened, I mean, you can imagine the people that when they come to Jesus and they find John and they're like, John, just tell us about him. Tell us about him. And towards the end of his life, John is thinks it's time for me to record what happened and he begins to write he begins to write and he's the one that doesn't tell us about the birth necessarily he just says that the word was in the beginning and the word was with God and the word was God and he tells us that that word that God the one that created all that we have seen he became flesh and blood he moved into our neighborhood he lived among us he walked among us he talked among us he was in our filth and our dirt he tabernacled with us he was one of us and we get to chapter 3 and John is writing about this encounter that Jesus had with this religious leader named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is asking Jesus questions about, well, how do I follow you? How do I be a part of this? How do I how do I know you're the one? And Jesus is giving him answers. And we get to John chapter 3, verse 16. Now, let me tell you what some people believe. Some people believe and this is it's not clear in the original text. You, the people that, that translated it and wrote it in your Bible have, have made some assumptions about a couple of things when they put quotation marks around it that this is Jesus speaking in John 3.16. It very well could be, or it could be John summarizing what Jesus said in many other places and saying, this is what he meant here. But basically, John 3.16 is the story of the purpose of, of Jesus in about as few words as you can imagine. It's the essence of the good news. It's the simplicity of Christmas. Here's what it said. For God so loved the world that He gave. For God so loved the world that He gave. He basically did what people do when they love. When you love someone, you give to them. Amen? When you love someone, you give of yourself, of your time, of your resources. You give gifts. You give presents. You know, one of the things that I think is difficult sometimes at this time of year for me is that I really want to surprise people with exactly what they want in my giving. Now, here's why that's difficult. I know how to surprise people. And I have surprised people with not exactly what they want. You know the looks, right? The, oh, wow, that, that, is, that is something. You know that, right? I know how to surprise people, and I know how to people, get people exactly what they want. They walk into the store with you. They point. That is what I would like. You pick it up. You put it on the counter. And you buy it. Amen? The difficulty is buying people a surprise that is exactly what they want. Here's the thing. The reason that I like to do that, the reason I love my kids' expressions on Christmas morning when they open up something they've been wanting, is because... I love them. And loving people give. And it tells us here that God loved us. Now, the so there can mean either like, it is such a big love that He gave His Son. Or it can be just, that's the natural outflow of love is giving. You see, this to the Greek mind was completely different than anything they imagined. Their philosophy was, the gods played and the people paid. You remember those stories of Zeus and Jupiter? And and they're out there just playing. And the people that take the punishment are the people. In their mindset, that's what happened. This is completely foreign to them that God loves so much that He gave something to us. The way that that's constructed in the original gives this emphasis on the intensity of the love. God so loved the world. Not just Israel. Not just a group of people. Not His chosen people. The idea there is the world. That is all people of all generations, of all times, that this was a gift that was presented for the world. Not because the world is lovely, but because of the size, but because of the fact that He just loved us. God so loved the world that He gave the most precious gift he had the absolute most precious gift he had you know the difference in your heart right when you want to give somebody something and there's a difference between giving somebody something that you're trying to scrounge up and figure out and find out hey what can i give them and it would be okay There's a difference in trying to figure out the lowest common denominator of something you can give someone and it still be culturally or family acceptable. And trying to figure out how much can I give. God gives as much as He can. God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son that who... Ever. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Whoever believes in Him. We're going to go just for a minute into the, the Greek. I know you all get so excited when we begin to talk about Greek. I, I can see it in your faces. But I want to tell you something interesting John does here. Because in the Greek word, there is a word for belief, just faith, faith belief, and it's a word called pisteo, and it's there, and it, it, that's what John uses here. But usually, uh, that word is followed by a word that means in. So I have faith in, or I believe in. Okay, and it, it, it's e in in the Greek kind of, but it means I have faith in. Okay, so like we would talk about, I I, I believe in hope. I believe. In you, I believe in whatever, okay? It's a similar kind of thing. That's not what John does here. John uses a different word there. He uses a word that means into. So really it reads that whoever believes into him. Now what in the world does that have to do with anything? The idea there is not, it's not just a mental assumption that I believe this about Jesus. What it is, is you are leaning into, you are placing your weight onto, you are putting everything in this basket. You know the old expression, don't put all your be- eggs in one basket, right? Well, what John says is, for those who put all their eggs in this basket, it's, a, it's kind of like this chair. And what John is, is representing here is this. Now, I could stand here and say, I believe this chair will hold me up. I believe in the chair. But the difference John is saying is, what you actually are saying in verse 16 of chapter 3 is that I am going to believe into, or I am going to place everything I have into trusting that the chair will hold me. The idea with John 3.16 is that this great love of God was so much. He gave the best He could possibly give. And what He asks of us in return is to place our life into Him. That whoever believes into Him, it's an exchange. I'm giving my life up to get His life. Whoever believes in Him will have eternal life. Now, literally that means will will not, we'll, they won't cease to be. But here's the thing. Most of us, when we hear eternal life, we think, oh, He's talking about heaven. What a day that will be when we all get to heaven. I'll fly away. All those things come to mind. But you know this, in the New Testament, eternal life is never equated with heaven. I'm not saying that we're not going there. Because heaven's promised. But eternal life, it's much more than that. In fact, in John chapter 17, verse 3, you don't have to turn there, but you if you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross and He's praying and He's doing this great prayer. And He says, Lord, the time has come. The hour is near. It is time for me to do what You've called me to do. Lord, I pray that they would believe in what I have done so that they might have eternal life. And then in chapter 17, verse 3, he says, and this is eternal life. It's almost like he says, here's the definition of eternal life. Now, here's the question that I had for a long time. Why is he telling God what eternal life is? Right? This is a prayer, right? Right? You with me? Are you here? Okay. Some of you are thinking, boy, I've got a list of things I have got to get done this afternoon. With that complicated Christmas stuff, he just reminded me of ten things. Stay with me for just a couple of minutes, okay? What he says here is, in John chapter 17, verse 3, this is eternal life. I believe he knew there were disciples listening in and he wanted them to get a grasp of what it was. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the one and only, and the Son who you sent, Jesus Christ. The idea there is, My prayer is that they will believe so they will be introduced to you and have a relationship with you through me. The idea is this. God loved us. Because of that love, He gave. We trust in, And when we do, we receive a relationship with Him. Here's Christmas in its simplest form. John 3.16 is really a Christmas verse. Of course, it's an Easter verse and a Flag Day verse, I guess, if you want to go through all the holidays. It's a verse for every day of the year. But what it says in its simplest terms is Christmas is all about the fact that God loved and gave. And if we believe, we receive the most precious gift that's ever been given. And it's that simple. Let me ask you a question. A couple of questions, really. First of all, has there ever been a moment in your life when you have believed into, when you have put your trust into, when you have fully committed yourself to the story of Jesus? Who He is and what He did and the fact that He desires more than anything, a relationship for you between you and Him and you and His Father? Has that moment ever occurred? Because it is impossible to celebrate Christmas as it ought to be celebrated if you do not have a relationship with the baby in the manger. It's just impossible. If not, would you be willing today not to say you believe in or about but that you would be willing to believe into, to place your life into the story of Jesus. a well, moment, we're going to have an invitation. If that's you this morning, I'm going to be standing here. I'd love for you to come and talk with me about that. Let me ask you a question if you're here and you've done that before. You've placed your life into, you have believed into Jesus. You have committed your life. You have followed Him. You're a part of that story. Let me ask you a question. Are you celebrating this Christmas the grand story of the great love of God or are you culturally captivated by the confusing nature of the complication of Christmas? I can never say that again. It just came out, all right? And it's kind of complicated, so we'll go back. Are you celebrating the simple story of God's love for us? Or has it become about everything else? Now, I'm I'm not trying to be Scrooge here and I don't want you to go, I'm canceling all my family stuff and presents are going back. But just make sure in the midst of it that you remember the simple truth of the fact that God loves us. And the way that that ought to impact everything we do, every day we live.